Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast. Hi, David. How are uh, you doing? I'm doing well. Today is March 23rd, 2021, and it is Tuesday, so you know what that means. Oh, Movie Tuesday, and we watched a good one. Well, Actually, watch- we watched two. We watched two good ones, and the combination of the two made it great. But yes, today yeah. is, in fact, Movie Tuesday, so I think I should play the theme song, don't you? Uh, yeah. I haven't done I that in a should. couple weeks, but here we go. Here's the Movie Tuesday theme song. It's time for Movie Tuesday. All right, it's time for Movie Tuesday. We saw two movies. One is nominated for the Academy Award for Best Short Film. It's called Feeling Through. And the other was a documentary about the making of the film that's nominated for Academy Award called Connecting the Dots. Now, I'm going to give a brief prop pl- plot synopsis of Feeling Through just so people are oriented, and then we can watch the trailer. How does that sound? Sounds great. Okay. Feeling Through is the story of a young black kid who looks like to be as if he's newly homeless. Um, in his text message conversations with his friends, he's looking for a place to crash, whether it's with a friend or a girlfriend. He goes out and hangs out with his friends, and they all go home, and he's sort of left holding the bag, and he's scrambling for a place to stay. As he's walking around the streets of New York City, he comes across a man who's holding a sign that says, I am blind and deaf. Please tap me on the shoulder to help me cross the street. He decides to, to be helpful. And he and the blind and deaf man go on an adventure. He has to take the blind and deaf man to a bus stop. And then the, the guy gets uh, thirsty. And so they go to a bodega. And so there's some plot elements of, you know, his honesty and his courage. But I won't want to spoil the whole movie. The end, it ends up with them becoming friends. And they, the young man gets the blind and deaf guy onto the bus and he makes sure that the bus driver drops him off at his stop. To make sure that the bus driver promises to drop him off at his stop. And then they share a hug. And that's the end of the feeling through. And it was fine. I liked it. I thought it was good. It was a heartwarming story. But then we watched Connect the Dots. And what did we learn when we watched Connecting the Dots? That is the well, documentary about feeling through. Right. The Connect the Dots was explaining uh, the actors and how they did it why they did it, the backstory. And that was as as compelling, if not more heartwarming uh, to me uh, than the movie. And it made the movie come alive uh, because, you know, it's kind of like uh, when you know something, when you know something really deeply and, and intimately or you live it uh, and you see it, uh, you can see bits and pieces of it. And we didn't watch the movie again, but when we watched how it was made and the actors that made it and we saw them, we began to realize how how impactful that movie is, not just to the viewers, but as much to the actors and the director and the writer and Mm -hmm. everybody as it was to us that saw it. So it's not just... I will say it's not just another short movie. Yes. So should we watch the trailer real quick? Yes, it's much more. Yeah, let's watch it. Okay, I'll have our reactions on the side here. seen a blind and deaf guy before? There it was, the trailer. 
But when we watched it, and uh, we watched it with my sister, Laura, and she said the exact same thing I was thinking after we watched Connecting the Dots, the story of Feeling Through. I did like the movie. I thought it was a good short film, but I liked the documentary about the movie more. And uh, so Doug Rowland, the documentary starts and he says, yeah, I was inspired to make this film when late at night in New York, about five years ago, I came across this guy and he's holding a sign that said, I am blind and deaf. And so the catalyst, the catalyzing event of the film actually happened to the director. And he's like, so I helped the guy get to his bus and we bonded and, and then he got on the bus and I never saw him again. But I was always reminded of this thing that happened to me. So, of course, he adds some dramatic elements for the film, but it's based on something that happened to him. And then instead of just casting uh, anyone he wanted to get to play the role of the blind deaf guy, Artie, he went to the Helen Keller Center for, you know, teaching blind and deaf people. And he found a guy that was deaf and legally blind to play the character of the guy that he met. And so this guy was over the moon. He's like, I was born deaf, but I could see. But I always wanted to be an actor, but then I lost my vision and I'm legally blind. I basically see through a pinhole. And I thought, who's going to hire a blind and deaf guy? But Robert, the director, did. And he became the first blind deaf man to star in an Academy Award nominated movie. And and I think that's really cool. The, the director was Doug. Doug. Robert was Robert was the young guy and the young kid was great. No, no he was Robert really good. Robert was the blind deaf guy. I mean the I mean the blind deaf guy. Steven, yeah, Robert. But the director was Doug Rowland and, and Doug Rowland was telling the story and it was just it was very uh, the the connecting the dots, the documentary of how it was made. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you you gave a really good introduction, David. That was super that that made the the uh, the story come alive. Uh, there was more to the story too, because uh, he did, he he couldn't find the the uh, the real Artie, the real Artie. He couldn't find the real Artie, so they went to the to and found uh, Robert uh, Tarango, uh, and he he was a, he was ecstatic, and so in the documentary connecting the dots, uh, it was as much fun to see how excited Robert was. He was mm-hmm. just beside himself. He was he was smiling and animated, and he was so happy and after a while you were happy with him because he was going to be in a movie he Mm -hmm. was an actor and he he always wanted to do that but you know he thought no one's going to ever i how could how could a blind and deaf guy ever be in a movie and uh but he was just beside himself literally almost beside himself just so happy that that made the connecting the dots so much uh, so much better. And then when you when you think of the movie you just saw, and it was only what? How long was it? 10, 12, 13 minutes? Something it was like that? twenty minutes. It was eighteen minutes, and then the documentary was twenty four. So I thought the documentary yeah. was longer and better than the actual movie. But I will say this: seeing the documentary and seeing the story of the Helen Keller Center of how this actually happened to Doug, and he said, "I want to make a movie about this." But then instead of just sort of casting his buddies or people that he knows that are actors in New York City, he goes to the Helen Keller Center and he says, I want someone who's blind and deaf to play the role of Artie. And he had these auditions. And when they found Robert, and Robert was very good, but Robert was like the perfect match to play the role of Artie. And they couldn't actually find the actual Artie, but they looked for him for the whole duration of the documentary. And at the end... He does come and see Artie, and he tells Artie, um, Arda, Artemo, is that his name? He's, uh, uh-huh. And he tells him, you know, we're making a movie about our experience that we had together five years ago, and Ar- Artemo remembers him. And then they talk to Artie, the real Artie, and he says, yeah, you know, it's cool that Doug's making this movie, and I think maybe I want to be an actor, too. <laughs> he did. Uh, and actually, he, he was uh, uh, Spanish-speaking, so he had to have an interpreter. Uh, but no, actually, his, his mom had an interpreter. It seemed like his Artie, mom had an interpreter. Yeah, it yeah. seemed like Artie spoke but, English. Right, right. But uh, but even at, even at that, his mom and and then uh, the real Artie, that they just had a connection. They were just. It was very very uh, uh, touching. 
Uh, the real story was touching. Yeah, the real story was touching, and the movie was touching. And the movie was touching. So the movie told a story, and and uh, uh, the um, I think the uh, exciting thing about that was it really it really had I think it did a did uh, covered a lot of ground uh, with deaf and blind people because you know you see deaf people but you don't see deaf and blind can you I, you can't imagine what it'd be like to be deaf and blind mm-hmm. and then try to communicate and uh, and uh, so uh, uh, Artie and Tariq he was the young kid uh, well he wasn't that young but the, the younger uh, man uh, they became friends and so it was it was very it was very good it, it was uh, I was surprised and like Laura said, uh, the documentary made the movie even better. Yes. So once you get the context, that it's not just this guy is like, oh, I have this idea for a movie. It actually happened to him. And then he yeah. said, I want to make a movie about it. But instead of saying, I'm just going to get some actors from Central Casting. I'll get some actor from Central Casting to play Artie. He said, no, I'm going to go to the Helen Keller Center. I'm sort of going to learn about this world. And then I, it seemed to me like Artie was working as a dishwasher at the Helen Keller Center. As, uh-huh. Did you get that impression? Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, well, he was. yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was technically the Helen Keller Center. It might have been across the street or whatever, or, you know, oh, at, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, but Artie's working and he's like, I don't know if I can get off work. And then the guy's like, we're going to let you off work to star in this movie. Uh, not Robert, the Robert, the guy that played Artie. It's difficult Robert, because yeah. Artie is also a real person in connecting the dots. <laughs> yeah. So Artie is a real person, but Artie is also played by Robert in the short film. So the the names get confusing, but he's like, I don't know, i got to get off work. They're like, we're going to let you get off work to star in this movie. <laughs> don't worry about that, Robert. Yeah. <laughs> but then, uh, but you're right. He was very charming. The guy, Robert, that played Artie, when he was interviewed, it was his enthusiasm and... He's a very expressive guy, so he was a good choice to play the actor. And he did a great job in the role. And then you see, like, no deafblind person has ever starred in a movie that's been nominated for an Oscar. And it's like, that's cool. I, I mean, that is very cool to me. And you don't, I mean, I don't know anything about that world. No. Are we, are you and I still up on being pro, uh, broadcast? Yeah, I'm broadcasting our two up. I just forgot to unshare the screen. That's what I thought. Yeah, you know, when you think of that, you think, well, Robert did a great job. It was very good. And in the Connecting the Dots documentary, when you look at it, you begin to realize how difficult that would be. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about making a film, you know, the director, do this, do this, do this, do this. Yeah, do it again, do it again. You know, oh, yeah, let's take this thing in there. You have to do that. To a deaf and blind person, you know, and he and Robert was all in, and Robert was excellent. He was very good, but still, he was part of a movie of the the camera, the director, the other actor, uh, 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 Stephen uh, mm-hmm. Stephen Prescott was Tariq, uh, so they had to work together, and uh, it it was all of and also Stephen. Prescott was Tariq, the, the the other the kid. He seemed he seemed uh, like he totally bought into this. He yeah. was excellent. He was so good, and all of them wanted this to happen, and and they had the barrier of blind and deaf. But after a while, it seemed like initially it was a barrier because they're used to talking to to sight uh, uh, people who could hear and talk, but. After a while, it, it they shifted to another uh, mode to say, "Hey, uh, this is how we're doing this," and they started moving, and they created a really good movie, a short movie. It, it's well worth seeing. It's it was well, well done, wasn't it, David? It was well done. I would say though, if you're going to watch it, don't just spend the 20 minutes watching the movie. Watch the documentary afterward. Yeah. Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth watching the movie then the documentary. That's how we did it. We didn't plan on doing it that way. It was as well, there's the documentary connected. Let's watch that. It was okay. But we're so glad we did because they, they come as a pair. Because the message 
the message in the movie to me was first was yes uh it really was a good story but the overarching me uh, message was this is really a blind and deaf person and he really did make this movie <laughs> for the first one ever and so that opens up this this door to all of the the blind and deaf people or other people who get looked over their talent, their enthusiasm, their energy gets looked over because of a few things that they that they can't do like you do it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not I don't want to say I, I, I don't like the word handicap because they just do it differently. And I think you should look at the value and the, and the energy and the excitement of people uh, just because they do it a little bit differently doesn't mean it's wrong. Uh, you can get value out of everybody. And, and that, that, to me, that was the overarching message of this short film. Mm -hmm. I did like in the documentary, they're talking about how if you can't see and you can't hear, one thing that's crazy is your desire to communicate is no less than anyone else's. Perhaps your ability to communicate is less uh, because everyone else has a different paradigm of how they communicate. Right. But you still want to be a part of this world. You know, you still want to meet people and go out there and do things and live your life. And and I think that often gets sort of dismissed when someone, um, maybe, I don't know, but it makes you think about these issues because I don't want to speak for like the deaf-blind community because I saw one 20-minute film and now I'm an expert. But I'm sure that managing the fact that this person is deaf and blind, if you're their caretaker or their parents or whatever, becomes you know a dominant feature of uh, their caretaker's life and the person who's deaf and blind's life. But that does not mean that the person who is deaf and blind doesn't have all of the faculties of a regular person. They just want to be out there in the world, communicating with people, making friends, you know, forging relationships, having a career, going forward, doing the things that make people people. It's just that they're trying to do it without the ability to see or hear. Well, uh, my background, uh, my experience is that uh, everybody Everybody has challenges. No one's perfect. And um, and when you see someone, uh, when you're around people or when you're around everybody, uh, no matter who they are, uh, everyone is going to see things differently. They're going to do things differently. They're going to need to be done differently. And so when when you have something that is a barrier to one way of doing it, you could call it a barrier, but that could be an opportunity to find another way uh, to live your life, another way to communicate, another way to find happiness, another way to see the value in a person. And it's it's like uh, the uh, instead of instead of trying instead of saying trying to live with a disability, uh, uh, see it as an opportunity, uh, or it could be a uh, uh, a way to learn different things about yourself and learn different things about other people. Other people have the ability to see the value of a person, just like Doug did. Doug saw, whoa, th this really changed his life. Mm -hmm. He wanted to communicate that, and he didn't want to do it with a sighted person. He wanted to do it with a deaf and blind person, and he found one. And look at the door that that opened up. So and that was an opportunity. We saw something bigger and bigger and greater than we would, would never would have seen if it was just – the story wasn't that – that the story was good. You know, feeling through was good. But the deeper value is how that, how that was made. Yeah, and I think um, the fact that he made the movie – it's interesting to me because sometimes artists, they care about their process more than they care about the work of art that they make. So they want people to know that they've suffered to create a work of art more than that the work of art is beautiful. 
But in this instance, I do feel like, you know, he could have made a documentary about the deafblind community. And it wouldn't have been as impactful if he hadn't have made the movie with an actor from the deafblind community. So the process of making the art is what made the documentary compelling. If he had never made a movie and he just went in there and be like, this is what a deafblind person's life is like, it's like, no, I want to make a movie where the main character is deafblind and I'm going to cast a deafblind man to play him. And that whole like rigmarole is what's important. And it's interesting to me because I try to, I often try to, I was listening to Hidden Brain the other day, I like that show. And they were talking about how young kids, they'll be given stories like Aesop's Fables or, you know, cartoons. And there's a blue elephant and then there's three gray elephants. And they don't, they're mean to the blue elephant because he's not the right color. And... And then at the end, you know, there's some sort of lesson. They learn a lesson that all element, elephants should be treated equal. And then they'll ask the kids, like, what's the moral of the story? And kids, they're not able to see deeper meanings. Like, they often miss the meaning of things like Aesop's fables or children's shows. They'll say, oh, don't be mean to blue elephants. That's the, that's the moral of the story. And it's like, no, it's if someone's different, you should still accept, you know, but this really was about the deafblind community. It wasn't some allegory for something else. It truly was about what it was about. And so I like to try to look through things like, what's the deeper meaning of this? What's he trying to say? And it's like, what he's trying to say is that deafblind people have a place in this world. And you didn't know about it, but I'm showing it to you. And that's very concrete. But it's also, I think it's important. It's, it's good work to do. Yeah. Uh, totally agree with you, David. I, yeah, that's exactly I, what I see that too. And and I guess for me, uh, when I look at that, I said, uh, I would say exactly what you said. But I'd go deeper in saying that the broader implication is that no matter who people are, uh, are, are how difficult it is to, to communicate with them, they have beauty and they have value and you have to find that. And sometimes it's harder to find than, than other times, but it's there and it's worth the effort <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's worth the change. And if you change, you're going to be a better person for it. Yes. And so this disability causes a barrier. But if you learn how to get around that barrier, you're a better person for it. And so why can't you see that that is an opportunity? To become a better better person, a better, better society. I think the more we embrace uh, and see the value, see the value in everybody, uh, whatever whatever barriers there are, sometimes the barrier is on our side, not their side. They can communicate. We can't communicate with them, but they're trying to communicate with us. So we have to learn. Uh, I, I think I think the message is 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 deeper and i learned that when i was young when i was younger uh, i remember i was in a situation uh i don't know if i told you this before but i was i was in a situation uh where uh, i was a leader of something uh i don't want to have too many details but i was a leader of something and everybody was complaining about what I was doing. Uh, they were undermining it. They says, this is not right. You shouldn't be doing it that way. He says, I'm just trying to do good. I'm just trying to help people. He says, yeah, but you're not doing it the right way. Uh, and uh, they were just all negative. And so uh, after that meeting, you know, uh, I got up and I was going to walk out. And, uh, and uh, a young girl came up to me. Uh, and uh, she had Down syndrome, and uh, she uh, she said, "I have a gift for you." She had bought this. Uh, her, her family bought her this little thing where you can weave it, you know. And it was a little clown. It wasn't perfect. And she said, I want to give this to you. 
because I like what you're doing. Changed me. It made a big difference. It gave you perspective. Yeah. Um, I would never... Um, To this day, I'm different. Every person has value. They're this kind of person. Sorry. It's okay. Yeah, it just it goes to show that people can make a huge impact in your life regardless of who they are. Okay, well, that was, uh, how long ago was that? 40 years ago? That was in the late 70s? Back in the 70s, 45 years ago. That was a long time ago. Was it, with uh, the, was it with your church? Yeah. But you still remember it to this no. day? Uh, I was never the same after that. I don't care who they were. You know, everybody, to me, uh, I wonder what value they have to give. Mm -hmm. It's not saying, I don't want to be around that person. It's like, I wonder what value they have to give. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, when you say handicapped people, I don't know what people think when they say see and think of handicapped people. But I think, I wonder what value that they have to give us that we're missing. Mm -hmm. And we are the one that are missing it. Because that barrier is our barrier as much as theirs. Can we get around this? Mm -hmm. I was, I guess another one, of course, this is blind and deaf. And you know the Columbine shooting? Yes. And I'm not going to say her name, but I had I had this one uh, student in my class who was shot, and she was in a wheelchair, and she was young, and she just went back to school, you know. And, and I talked to her one day, and uh, and uh, and not even about her, she was in a wheelchair, she was paralyzed, uh, but we were talking, and uh, we brought it up. We brought it up that, and she told me. And she brought it out. She says, yeah, I, I was shot at Columbine and I was paralyzed. And I just mentioned, yeah, well, I'm really sorry about that. Uh, but I, I'm impressed and that you were here getting education, moving forward. And she says, yes, I can't change the past and what happened to me and where I'm at but I can sure change the future. And that's what I'm doing. And uh, so many times we live in the past. Mm -hmm. The past brings us to who, where we are with our experiences, but what are we gonna do with them? Don't live in the past. Say, how can I move forward? And, and I think what Doug did to the blind and deaf to me, the message is much bigger and deeper, maybe because of my experiences, that, that yes, that all of us have an opportunity to see value and beauty in this world from everybody, no matter who they are. Mm -hmm. And if we don't see that, it's on us. Yeah. It's not on them. So wake up, people, and, and smell the roses and see the beauty. Sorry about that, David. That's okay. Uh, it's it's a good point, you know. You never know how people will affect you, or or who will affect you, and it might not just it, it might not be someone with a disability. It might be someone who is a curmudgeon, and that's very unfriendly. And you're the only person who reaches out because no one wants to deal with them because they're a pain in the ass. 
But then you have an experience with them that's life-changing because they recognize what you do. They see you. Um, So it doesn't necessarily have to be a a physical or or cognitive disability. It It could be just about anything in this world. If you keep yourself open to communication and and forging relationships, uh, interesting and, and powerful things will happen. Well, if you have eyes, let them see. Let them see not just the outside of people, but the inside of people. Yeah, they're barriers. Uh, like you say, a curmudgeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a curmudgeon, uh, yeah, well, why? Uh, so a lot of times there's reasons why. And if you can get behind that reason why, you might have a person behind there that that's 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 very unusual. Yes. That's very good. That's, that has a lot of a lot of things to give. And that and that has happened more than once mm-hmm. uh, to a lot to a lot of people. And that that story's been told in cinema as well. Like a story like I don't know, Gran Torino or something. Yeah. Walt's an old widower and he's racist, but he befriends these kids and he defends them and you see that there's more to him than just his crotchety racist nature. Yeah. But but, but that's just what Yeah. So he, he, the grand he didn't change. No, he didn't he change. Didn't, <laughs> he didn't change. He was who he was. And but he saw the good in these kids and he saw the bad in other kids and and that's just what it was. Mm-hmm. It was the same with feeling through. Uh, the little Tariq, uh, the Tariq, uh, the uh, the uh, the kid, sighted, the, mm-hmm. the sighted uh, younger person. He he saw the blind and deaf, uh, which was uh, Artie, the actor. I mean the uh, the character Artie. He saw it, and he didn't have to go over there. He didn't have to go over there because the blind and deaf person didn't seek him out. <laughs> And he chose to go over there and read it and 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 touch him mm-hmm. and help him. And then and then, uh, like you said, uh, he uh, was going to help him find the bus. Uh, but we don't want to spoil it for everyone. But then he said, I'm thirsty. <laughs> I want to mm-hmm. get a gear to drink. Take me to the store. <laughs> you go, what? <laughs> I, uh, OK, he did. And in the store, he got a drink for him, and and then he got he sat down, and then he reached in and pulled out a drink out of his out of his backpack, yeah. and he start, they started laughing. He had a drink, they started laughing, so they bonded. It's like my friend Kevin. Will you take me to my doctor's appointment? <laughs> Next thing you know, we're at Big Five Sports. He's got a rifle in his hand. He's looking through the sights. It's like, how the hell did this happen? Take me here. Take me here. Take me here. Uh-huh. What? What is this? What is this? But then, you know, it's again, some people. Uh, so you can bond with some people, and some people you can't bond with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the point is, uh, try. Yeah. <laughs> and I think before we end this episode, I, I want to say one thing. Mm-hmm. Why are we talking about this movie? And this is off subject of. Um, disabled people or you know the deafblind community or whatever we're talking about this movie for the sole fact that it is one of the few oscar nominated short films that we could find on youtube um it's, uh. it's on the amuleto channel and then the connecting the dots is on the feeling through channel and it's interesting that this is on the amuleto channel and it's not the title of the video is not f- feeling through and I think that they do this for a search engine. A homeless man, a teen, meets a deaf-blind man at a bus stop. Who? So I think that these words, they're trying to drag you in with the description of the movie. They don't just say feeling through movie. You know, they're trying to, because this Amaletto channel is huge. But it's the same reason, if we look over here in the right-hand column, that we saw a concerto as a conversation. You see above your head. Because mm-hmm. it's on YouTube. And I think... Honestly, I, I don't know the economics of short filmmaking, but I know the economics aren't great. Well, I think that having your short film accessible to everyone, regardless of what they're subscribed to, it's not on HBO Max, it's not on Netflix, it's not on Prime Video, it's not on Hulu, it's on YouTube. 
anyone, whether or not they even have a YouTube account, can watch your short film, I think there's some value to that and to getting your film out into the world. Because if this were on HBO Max or some streaming service we didn't have, we would never have watched it and we wouldn't be talking about it. Very good point, David. Very good point. You have a story to tell. Uh, tell it. Try to get it to as many people as you can. Now, I understand, though, you know, if Netflix says, we'll give you $500,000 to make this movie, but it has to be exclusive to Netflix. At that point, it's like, sure. But if you're financing this with, you know, financiers, and I don't think that people finance short films thinking that it's going to be the next Amazon. You know, if, if you're getting someone to write you a check for $20,000 to make your short film, I don't think they think they're going to make a million dollars. They think I'm contributing to the arts. You see what I'm saying? It's not an economic, it's not an investment. You're investing in the arts, and the art is what is your return, not money. You know, a short, term's never gonna, a short film's never going to go like gangbusters. Right. It's not like but, the Marvel movies or something. But the short, the short term, the short films uh, have a different kind of impact than full-length films. Uh, maybe not at the box office, but in society, uh, because it's art. And uh, maybe, maybe there should be, to, to your point, David, uh, maybe there should be some kind of foundation out there to start supporting uh, short films. Mm-hmm. Because the short films conversation is a, the short films we've seen, were were awesome, mm-hmm. impactful. They, they they can, they can meet, more people, if they had some mechanism and support, uh, to be distributed to everyone, uh, people will watch them, if 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 they're available. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there should be some kind of a, uh, some kind of foundation to, to raise money for the arts. For short films, as as an art, uh, a way, uh, what, what I'm trying to, what am I trying to say, an art, uh, like a grant program or something. Well, uh, a a, an endowment. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm thinking a, a way to express the art. It's it's a, uh, it's connecting the art with with uh, with uh, people. It's some way to connect. That's the reason for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not to make money. It's to better society by connecting this art form with people and this art form is just as valuable and just as important and it's different than a full-length movie it's not the same i i think it's i think it's very different mm-hmm. uh focusing on a short story and the impact of the story you're not trying to develop a character you're not trying to develop a uh, a theme of this you know it's a short it's a short story it, it's saying it it's like a poem instead of a novel mm-hmm. and Maybe there should be more more support for that art form. Yeah, I'm sure there's some support out there. I mean, I bet you Doug, whatever his name is, Doug Roland, the director of this movie, he had to have 100K somewhere. Uh, to to make this movie. I mean, movies don't make themselves, and this he had a crew, he had lights, he had a cinematographer, he had casting. I mean, I'm sure that Tariq, the guy that played Tariq, Stephen Prescott, he got paid, Robert got paid. Um, so I think that when it's all said and done, yeah, you can make a 20-minute film. On the streets of New York City, you have to pay. You can't film on the streets of New York City without paying the city. Now, they may have given him a break, like, because he's an independent short filmmaker and not a feature film. You know, if... If Warner Brothers wants to film in the streets of New York City, they're paying the $20,000 a day or whatever. But, I mean, it does take resources, and somehow Doug got these resources. So the resources do exist. It's mm-hmm. not like there's no organization out there that will fund short films. I think that a lot of it is based upon, I'm sure that Doug Rowland had this idea, and he pitched it, and people liked it, and he was able to get funding, and he was able to make his movie and i i think that a you know a poll system of let's have a an organization and pitch us your ideas you know you might get great ideas but you won't get people that are willing to see it through and i think to doug roland's credit he said i'm going to make this film and then he did make the film and then he did make the documentary about making the film which 
And I mentioned this last night. Here it is, connecting the dots, the story of feeling through. I mentioned this last night. I liked connecting the dots as a documentary short better than a love song for Latasha on Netflix that we saw. It was easier to follow. But the thing of it is, is Doug made two short films. Mm -hmm. He made one feeling through, which is a story. The other's connecting the dots with a documentary. He made two of them. Mm -hmm. And both of them are valuable. Uh, think of it. If you just saw Connecting the Docs, the documentary, without seeing the film, the short film of Feeling Through, would the documentary would have been as impactful? No. I, I don't think so. No. So the product, what was the product? <laughs> you have a product and then you have the story around the product. It was a, it was a package. It was a package deal. And I think that kind of, because it was the type of, uh, but the but uh, the uh, the concerto, what is it? The um, a concerto is a conversation. Uh, that that was kind of a combination of a documentary and a and a and a story. But that was excellent. That yeah, was excellent. That's a different category. That's documentary short subject. This was short film. So oh. feeling feeling through is what's nominated, and feeling through is a fictional film that's dramatized and filmed. You know, a concerto as a conversation is best documentary short. Okay. So what I'm, what I'm saying is connecting the dots is a documentary short about a short film. But I feel like it was a better documentary short than a love song for <laughs> Latasha, which is nominated for best documentary short. Oh, okay. So now the story behind uh, the, was it the uh, song love, for Latasha? A love song for Latasha? Yeah. The story behind it was compelling. It was very, very good. But uh, the movie itself, uh, you know, you kind of got the story at the end of what was happening, and it was very sad uh, and is poignant today. But as far as a movie was concerned, I kind of like connecting the dots better, too, maybe because we saw, you know, feeling through. I don't know. Yeah, it's true. And I, I would recommend to anyone that wants to sort of jump into this, it'll take less than an hour of your time. It's shorter than, the two films together are shorter than one episode of The Crown or whatever show you're binging these days. So if you <laughs> want to see an Oscar-nominated short film and an incredible documentary about that film, I would recommend that you watch it in that order. You watch Feeling Through the short film first and then Connecting the Dots afterwards. And of course, we have, by discussing this, and if someone's this far along in the podcast, in a way spilled the beans on the most impactful parts and it will be less of a surprise because for to for me we watched feeling through and it was like that was fine i mean didn't really shake my world and then we watched connecting the dots and we found out he worked with the helen keller center he found a deafblind actor he cast a deafblind actor they talked to the deafblind actor robert and he's a cool guy he's and, really cool <laughs> and he is super excited to be able to do this and his enthusiasm, um, it shines through on film. You're like, wow, oh, that guy's actually deaf and blind, and he did this role. Wow. Like, and it gives you a whole new appreciation for the film you just saw. Even Stephen Prescott, the 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 uh, young, the teenage, teenage, the teenager guy, uh, Tariq, he was the the other lead. Mm -hmm. He was talking about about uh, uh, Robert. Mm -hmm. He goes. He he was good. He was he was not going to give up. You know, I was tired. He was tired, but we were, he was going to do it. Do another take. Do it again. Do it again. So uh, he says it was great working with Robert because Robert was gung ho. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And uh, so it was just it was really cool to see the the uh, the real people, the real people that were actually doing this, and it made the story even more impactful. It's kind of like when you hear a story from a stranger, but you hear this, uh, a good story, a touching story, but you hear the same touching story from someone that you know, it's much more powerful. Mm -hmm. And the connected to docs, you get to know those people. And it made, it made the story feeling through more powerful. It was good. And I'm taking a look here, just before we get going... Like I said, all this stuff requires financing. And it looks like Marley Matlin is an executive producer. We could see it here in this corner, feeling through. Yeah. Um, so there were some Hollywood people 
who, I mean, an executive producer means you find money and you put up money or you find someone to put up money in your name for. So there were some Hollywood people behind this and more power to it. And of course, you know, Marley Matlin is, she's famous for being an actress, but she's also famous for being deaf, <laughs> you know? So she has, you know, to, for this story to be told, I'm sure it's important to her because it's sort of, mm -hmm. I mean, being deaf and blind, and that's so difficult to imagine. And this literally is, I've never seen The Miracle Worker about Helen Keller. Have you ever seen that? Uh, yeah, long time ago. That That's really powerful, too. Okay, so I've never, I've never seen The Miracle Worker. So this is really the first movie I've ever seen about deaf blindness. So Yo. this is my introduction to this world. Yeah, uh, who was the uh, the person who worked with Helen Keller, the miracle worker? Uh, the actual lady. That was a long time ago. That was back when the 30s or something. 1962, the film came out. I know, but actually, Helen Keller was Anne Sullivan. Anne Sullivan. Yeah, that that was uh, a pioneer. I mean, uh, yeah, the um, the. Uh, well, the movie, uh, I guess, if it's close to uh, really what happened with Ann Sullivan and Helen Keller, was remarkable. How do, how do you uh, communicate with a blind and deaf someone from birth? You know, how do you do that? And well, it, that, that's a good movie. That, that's a good movie, too. But it's a long one. It's, and, it's a full-length full movie. And that's what people sort of think of when they think of Blind and Death, they think of Helen Keller. And that's, I mean, I think of the miracle worker Helen Keller. But I think it's cool that Doug went to the Helen Keller Center and talked to these people that are experts. And there's, let me just pull myself up real quick. And they showed, you know, they were interviewing potential uh, arties. And they said, yeah, there's a couple ways that the deafblind communicate. There's tactile sign language so basically you're doing sign language in the hand and they feel it and it's like you're talking to them and then there's the way that Tariq communicates with Artie in the film and the way that Doug communicated with Artie in real life which is where they hold out their palm and you write on it and then Artie would write back on a pad and paper and that seems so laborious but if you take a movie like The Miracle Worker, or you take a movie like, which I've never seen, but you take a movie like Feeling Through, it comes back to what the guy in the documentary said. It's this desire to communicate. You may be deaf and you may be blind, but your desire to communicate is no less than anyone else's. So yeah, it may be a pain in the butt to do it the way you have to do it, but to that, to if you're deaf and blind, that's all you really know. I mean, and what would you be willing to sacrifice to be able to communicate? Or, you know, how much work would you be willing to, to be able to communicate with other people? You would do what it takes, right? You would. And if you're a, a seeing and a hearing person and you communicate with this person uh, who is blind and deaf, even, whether, you, whether you write on the hand or whether you, you can do the like, hi, we can do that. Uh, and then all of a sudden you communicate it's like it's like opening up a window to fresh air because that person wants to communicate with you mm -hmm. you know and all of a sudden boom so it's it, there's a lot to be said about this and to me I see I again I see the bigger picture of just just human potential human value uh, that that there's value to, in, in everyone and uh, just just I never. I, I when I watched the movie, I thought it was good. And we started talking about this uh, about, about an hour ago. I thought, yeah, fine. This, yeah, this is a good one. It was a good movie. I liked it, you know. But now that I get into it, it pulls up all these memories of the people that I've known that uh, were beautiful, beautiful people. But uh, so many people overlooked them because it was too hard to communicate. I'm not going to talk to them. Whoa, wait a minute. Uh, you're missing someone who is can give you so much stuff when you actually get to know them. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, uh, we need e and we need each other, don't we, David? Uh-huh. So I think... And we need, we need everyone. So I think we can close. I'd like to say a few things, and then I'll let you close it off. 
Okay. The first thing I'd like to say is feeling through and connecting the dots. They're both available on YouTube. So there's no reason for anyone who's listening to this not to go out and watch them. It'll take you about 42 minutes total. Now, I think the order you should watch them is watch the short film and then watch the documentary. But I think you should watch them both because they tell a more complete story than either one in isolation. The second takeaway that I have is if you're a short filmmaker, you should put your films on YouTube because then people can see it. They can see it without a subscription. And the third is sometimes a movie about deafblind people doesn't have a deeper meaning. Sometimes it's about deafblind people, and that is good enough because... That's right. right. uh, You you don't need to search for a deeper hidden meaning. Sometimes the meaning is the meaning, and that is good enough. So is there anything you'd like to say before we get out of here? Yes, David. Uh, The Census Sequoia podcast... We want to tell everyone to keep on talking, but listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is saying. Bye.